0: Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke, and this is the Kono Shame Veterinary Podcast. Guys, I got something brand spanking new for you. It's a type of episode we have never done before. It's the Mistakes I've made episode with the amazing, the original veterinary anesthesia nerd, Tasha McNerney, or Tasha McNerdy, as she sometimes calls herself. She is um, she is a gift, she is a joy, she's one of my favorite people. She is a specialty technician in anesthesia. She is, uh, she's amazing when it comes to anesthesia and pain medicine. She is the person that I call her opening up and being vulnerable and talking about a mistake that she has made in her career. I think this is great learning. I am so glad she did this. I just, I cannot praise her enough for making this episode guys. I hope that you will love it as much as I love making it. Here we go.
1: This is your show. We're glad you're here, we want to help you in your veterinary career, welcome to the Cone of Shame, with Dr. Andy Rourke.
0: Hey, Tasha McNerney, thanks for coming back. Thank you
1: for having me.
0: Well, you are, (laughs) you are the cosmonaut, you, like, you (laughs) are the one, you're the co-pilot I take into space. For the first uh, adventure every dime. And so you were the first how-do-you-treat-that guest that we recorded with, and you are now the first mistakes-I've-made guest that I've recorded oh. with. I think that <laughs> that speaks to the level of trust I have in you. And, or uh, the level and of awesome.
1: mistakes I've made.
0: Or to the volume of mistakes <laughs> I think you have. That's when, not I think,
1: <laughs> when I think mistakes, I think Tasha McNerney. <laughs> Not
0: not the case at all, but I love it. Oh, oh man. Okay. So the idea with mistakes I've made, this actually came, there was a, a veterinarian that was talking to me uh not long ago and he was going, you know, the single best teacher is mistakes. And they could be mistakes other people make, but I think we learn from mistakes. And if we share our mistakes, then other people can learn from those mistakes as well. And that sort of started me really thinking, you know, I think he's I think he's right. Could we do some episodes about mistakes that people have made? And you, being the baller that you are, stepped up and said, "I'm not afraid to talk about a mistake that I have made and what I learned from it." And Definitely so let's, not. yeah, let's let's lay this out. Why don't you tell us the story, and then we'll just sort of take it piece by piece and and kind of learn from it as we go.
1: Okay, sounds good. So I will tell you about uh, the day that I made a really. Critical mistake, and hopefully, people can learn from it. And I certainly talk about it a lot when I am teaching newer technicians and when I'm lecturing. So let's go back. It's like 15 years ago when I was a brand new baby technician. I had just graduated from a local veterinary program and I had taken the VTNE, and I I did like really great on the vt So I was feeling pretty confident about myself. And I also was signed off on all my veterinary anesthesia skills at the clinic. So I was kind of like able to fly solo in anesthesia now. Mm-hmm. I was really excited about this. And we had a case that was referred to us by our sister clinic because we did more advanced dentistry procedures than they did having a VTS in dentistry on our staff. So we were going to perform the dentistry at our clinic. Now, I'll tell you, right off the bat, you might be able to guess what my mistake was when I let you know that the patient coming in was an 11-year-old English bulldog. Mistake number one. Don't (laughs) anesthetize an 11-year-old English bulldog. Uh, No, but seriously, you can. I, I don't want people to be discouraged. You can if you do it safely. So, it had just had anesthesia two weeks prior at our sister clinic. So we were just going to repeat the exact same protocol and procedure that had been done at our sister clinic. I just drew up the drugs. I didn't look at the patient that day. I didn't look at their lab work. I just took it on account that it had the anesthesia two weeks ago. Everything went fine with that anesthesia according to the records. I drew up the drugs. I got them ready and away we go. So, that actually was my first mistake. My first mistake was I did not put my hands on the patient that day. I did not feel the pulses. I didn't look at the patient's mucous membrane color. I didn't read through the record and the blood work. And I know that the doctor is ultimately the one that's going to make the anesthetic decisions. But I really feel, and I try to stress this now as the anesthesia tech, if you're going to be the one monitoring that patient under anesthesia, you better know what's going on with that patient. What are you about to perform? What is their concurrent disease status? Um, What kind of blood work has been performed? What still needs to be performed? And are there any abnormalities in that blood work? So that day, I didn't do any of that. I just looked at the sheet and I said, yep, I had hydrodexanomator this, how many days ago? We're just going to draw it up and do it.
0: If you have a vet that, whose ego can't handle the technician doing their own physical examination. That's totally on them in, in my experience, right? Why wouldn't we want as many people as possible checking these patients out before they go under and making sure that everything looks good to go. So I, uh, I love it when technicians do their own exam before surgery, that makes all the sense in the world. And the other one that I just want to point out is that, that you're exactly right. The pet that went under anesthesia two weeks ago should send up red flags for everybody Because it's so easy to just look at the chart and be like, this is what they used and everything went great. And so we're just going to run it again. And uh, that's a false sense of security. But we've all, we've all been there. We're like, yep, this is what we did last time. We sedated for grooming and worked great. But yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I've been there. I know exactly how that happens.
1: So I totally agree, Annie, and thank you for saying that because I think that having technicians or nurses wherever you're, you know, if you're in the UK, um, having... Technicians take control of the anesthesia, not just be the ones to administer it and write down numbers to really be a part of the team. Thinking critically about the anesthesia is so important. And technicians, you know, we we know that they have overall greater job satisfaction when they really are using their brains and they're a part of the team. And like you said, I mean, even me with a lot of letters after my name, I I have missed murmurs. I have missed arrhythmias. So why not have somebody else checking me if it's going to be for the benefit and the safety of the patient? That's what it should be about ultimately. Right. So let's get back to, again, mistake number one is I didn't look over anything. I just drew up the drugs it had two weeks ago, and I administered an IM injection of opioid plus dexmenetomidine. Again, knowing what I know now, a higher dose of dexmedetomidine than I probably would have done had I looked through everything and taken into the account that it was an 11-year-old English bulldog. But again, I was just reading the record, doctor signed off on it, we're good to go. So the patient gets sedated from their pre-med that we've given IM, and we get them up on the table, place an IV catheter, and then It had propofol last time. Well, guess what? We're going to go with the propofol again this time. Now, you might have caught mistake number two. (laughs) It's an English bulldog. And guess what I did not do? Because it wasn't written in the record anywhere. And honestly, I was just so confident that this was going to go so smoothly like it did two weeks ago that I didn't think about the fact that this is an 11-year-old English bulldog. We probably need to pre-oxygenate it while we're administering the propofol. Right. Right. But I didn't. I just wanted to administer the propofol, get him intubated, and then get his dentistry done with because we had two or three other surgeries that day. So honestly, I'm kind of trying to think ahead, not focusing 100% on this patient, just trying to check off the boxes, what we did last time. And that's when it came to bite me in the ass the patient became very, uh, uh, hypoxic because the propofol that we were giving, that I was giving was being administered probably too rapidly for that patient the patient turned a nice shade of purple blue. And because we weren't pre-oxygenating, you know, pre-oxygenating is so important because it increases those oxygen reserves. So if you think of like, you know, if anybody watched DuckTales back in the day and you think about Scrooge McDuck and how he had this reserve of all these coins, right? If we think about oxygen being our gold coins and we want those reserves. So, if we're about to give a patient a drug that's going to cause apnea and therefore hypoxia, we want a reserve of oxygen. Well, at the time I wasn't thinking about that. Again, I'm just trying to check off my boxes and get through the day. So I did not preoxygenate this patient. Now it's become a situation. The patient is turning blue. It's a bulldog. So we have to try to intubate it as fast as possible. But you know, because it's a bulldog, it has averted laryngeal saccules. It has an elongated soft palate. We Did we have the right endotracheal tubes pulled out? Of course not in that situation. I did mistake number three, and I only pulled out the size of endotracheal tube that was listed on the anesthesia sheet from two weeks fryer. I didn't pull out multiple sizes to be ready. So when it was hard to intubate with that size six and a half or seven, I can't remember, tube, I didn't have anything else at my disposal, which means the patient is now losing oxygen even more. There's no oxygen going to the brain. The patient went into respiratory arrest and now it's an emergency procedure and we have to initiate CPR to get this patient uh, back. So Mm. All of these mistakes that accumulated into this patient going into respiratory arrest probably could have been prevented if I had not been so busy trying to just recreate what happened two weeks ago and to really create a tailored anesthetic experience for that specific day and that specific patient.
0: No, that, that's that's uh, that's such a great story. I uh, my greatest regrets. My greatest regret with a case involves not pre-oxygenating a bulldog and so that's that's my own mistakes I've made that I'll tell some other time but uh <laughs> but yeah that's yeah I love it I think I love this the most because it's so easy to see why these mistakes happen yeah it's so it's so easy to be like this is what we did two weeks ago and this is the size endotracheal tube that we need and there was no we didn't pre last time, you know, and it just doesn't come into into your mind. Stopping to say, what what am I working on here? This is an 11-year-old English bulldog. What does that mean? I think that's a trick that's really easy to miss. And most of us just don't pause and think, let's now, is there something here I should be paying attention to?
1: Yeah. Um, and it goes, you know, now that I am more experienced and I have been doing it for so long and I'm, you know, really eat, sleep, breathe nothing but anesthesia now. And now I know better. Um, you breathe that's nothing but not anesthesia now? I do. I breathe nothing but anesthesia. Don't tell people. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's frowned upon. <laughs> it's fr- it is a frowned upon. You, uh, uh, but resort. no, since, you know, since anesthesia is my my life, I, I am much smarter about how I approach things. But that's not to say that I can't still make mistakes and I'm not still learning, you know. Um, my anesthesiologist that I work with, she is a boarded anesthesiologist, you know, she's fantastic. And I always go to her with questions. And what I think is really nice about working with her, and I'll give her a shout out to Dr. Coniglia. She's fantastic. Is that. She makes mistakes too. And when she makes mistakes, she lets people know so that we are all educated on the staff, you know. Just last week, she put something on the anesthesia nerds where she had made a mistake with a breathing system. She didn't catch it in time. And the patient's CO2 levels started to rise. But then when she saw it, she caught it. But she took a picture of it. She put it on the anesthesia nerd. She started a conversation about, hey, this is something you guys should be looking out for. So for a boarded anesthesiologist to say, Hey, this is a mistake. We caught it, and then let's learn from it. You know, we got to take the egos out of it so we can learn and so we can do better for our patients overall.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Thanks for doing this with me. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate you uh, sharing your knowledge and experience.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Cool. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Andy. And that's what we've got, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Gosh, another shout out to Tasha McNerney. If you have not listened to her podcast, go and find it. It's on Apple iTunes. It is on Stitcher. It is wherever you get uh, podcast. It is the Veterinary Anesthesia Nerd podcast. I was on that podcast last week. If you want to hear more of my voice, and I can't imagine that you do, but if you do, you can find some of it there. But she's also got really intelligent people on the podcast, like Dr. David Dykus and, uh, and surgeons and anesthesiologists and the like. So, Veterinary Anesthesia Nerd podcast, check it out for sure. Guys, take care of yourself. Be well. Talk to you later on. Bye.